Welcome to the Bethesda Church Podcast. We're so glad you've joined us today. If you'd like to contribute financially to this ministry, you can do so at BethesdaChurch.tv slash give and simply select the giving option that works best for you. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. Don't forget, next week is back-to-school blessing, so it's going to be an awesome time. I about lost my voice in the first service because I preached so hard, and uh, y'all better watch out, all right? I'm just going to throw that out there. I'm excited about this series. We're calling this series Covered. We're kicking it off today, so you haven't missed anything uh, in this series, so don't miss the next, including today, the next five weeks as we talked about, as we talk about being covered. Uh, what I want to do um, in this series is I want to talk to you about all the ways that God has your back. I want to share with you all the ways that God has you covered. Um, and and, and that's, that's really good news for a lot of us because we live in a society that is dominated by fear. A lot of people are paralyzed by fear. Uh, a lot of people are afraid and don't even know why they're afraid. They feel almost like something bad is going to happen because of what they've been through. They just kind of feel an uneasiness that something else bad will happen. We feel vulnerable. But I want you to know right off, the, right off uh, as soon as we start this, God has you covered. God has you covered. Um, and that, that's going to be such good news over the next five weeks as we talk about this. Um, the truth is, is that we're all dealing with, with a level of fear, whether it's spiritually or physically, we all feel fear at different times. And we've all been through some stuff. How many can testify today and say, God has brought me through some stuff? Come on, has anybody ever, God ever brought you through some stuff? Uh, and, and we celebrate and we praise God for the stuff he brings us through, but uh, I also think we need to slow down and thank God for the stuff that never made it to us. Because there were, some, there were some things that God took care of in the spirit before he had ever made it to you. And that he just worked out and that you didn't have to fight, you didn't have to engage in it, he just worked it out. And uh, so I'm going to lay a little foundation by giving you three scriptures and then we're going to tie it all together. Psalm 121 says, I will lift up my eyes to the hills from whence comes my help. My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Now, theologians debate over this, this verse in Psalm 121, uh, where the psalmist is telling us that our help comes from God, and, and the debate among theologians is, is he making a statement that our help comes from God, or is he asking the question, does our help come from the Lord? And, and what I would say, it really doesn't matter which it is, the psalmist had enough sense to look up when he was in trouble. He understood that there are some things that I'm facing that I can't take on myself, so I'm going to look to the hills from which comes my help. My help comes from the Lord. Psalm 103, uh, let's look at that real quick. We're going to read these up front, and then we'll tie them together. It says, bless the Lord, you his angels, who excel in strength, who do his word, heeding the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all you his hosts, you ministers of his who do his pleasure. Everybody say angels. All right, angels. Angels have been assigned to your life. Throughout scripture, we see that angels are ministers to the heirs of salvation. 
We have inherited salvation, which means that there have been angels assigned to our life. God has, has given them assignments. And when we look at this verse, it says that they excel in strength, all right? Uh, and, and, and when they hear and do the word. Now, angels are not like you and I in, in, in this fact that when you and I do a lot of activity, we get tired. But angels excel with more assignments and more word given. That the more we give them to do, the stronger they get. Y'all following? All right, now we're going somewhere because angels have assignments. There have been angels assigned to your life. Angels that protect, angels that hear the word, receive the word, perform the word, angels that bring a harvest back into your life. Uh, and, and so they excel in strength. And they're not simply, this is the important part, they're not simply waiting on the voice of God. Look at what it says. Bless the Lord, you as angels who excel in strength, who do his word, heeding the voice of his word. So they're not just waiting on the voice of God, they're waiting on the word of God. It's not important what the voice, the voice is not what matters, it's what is the voice saying. In other words, as long as we speak the word, there are angels hearing it, receiving it, and also performing it. However, angels do not respond to complaining. Angels do not respond to negativity, to doubt, to unbelief. Angels do not respond to us crying. Angels respond to the word. So if you are hurting this morning, if you're disappointed this morning, I, I would just say, can you speak the word while you cry? Can you speak the word while you're disappointed? Are you instant in season and out of season in speaking the word? What does that mean? It means that when I'm going through a negative circumstance in, in my life, that I am speaking the word just like I did when I was on the mountaintop and everything was going my way. That no matter what life throws at me, I am speaking the word. So they respond to the word, which means I need to speak the word. Touch your neighbor and tell your neighbor, speak the word. Y'all don't mind if I get preachy today, do you? Three of you. <laughs> Speak the word. I didn't even give you the title. We're going to call this Just Say It. Come on, hit your neighbor and say, Just Say It. Yeah. Wrong neighbor. Find another one. Say, Just Say It. <laughs> Just Say It. All right. Matthew chapter 8. I told you three scriptures are going to tie them together. Man, I'm so pumped up. It says, When Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, pleading with him, saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home, and he's paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. And Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered, and he said, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak a word, and my servant will be healed. For I also am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. And when Jesus heard, heard it, he marveled and said to those who followed, he said to the church folk, here's what he said, assuredly, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. Jesus is impressed. How many of you know it's hard to impress God? 
But he is impressed by this Roman centurion's faith. He can't believe the faith that this man is walking in. And this passage of Scripture is very significant and powerful because Jesus was a Jew, born of the Jews, and he came to minister to the Jews. But Scripture says that he came to his own, and his own received him not. That the very people he came for didn't receive him. During the time that Jesus was born, though, Rome is, is in power. There's a Roman Empire at this time. And the Jews are allowed to do their practices, their religious practices, as long as they do not violate Roman law. They're allowed to do whatever they want to do. Rome don't care. In Scripture and in history, we read about some of the Rome, Roman Empire leaders. We read about Pilate, and we read about Caesar, not only in history books, but also in the Bible. And it's significant because Jesus came, the Bible says that he, was, he came in the fullness of time, which means that there was an appointed time that Jesus would be born. This is significant because Jesus was born during the Roman Empire. And so we have to ask, why was Jesus born during that empire? Why, why at that time, God could have sent him at any time, why during the Roman Empire? Well, the answer would simply be because Rome reflected the way the kingdom of God is supposed to work. The way Rome did things is very similar to the way the kingdom operates. At that time, Caesar was the emperor. And Caesar had governors under him. Pilate was a governor. Pilate worked for Caesar. So he was a governor of a province. And Pilate, if you remember the story when Jesus was betrayed and turned in, they sent him to Pilate. You remember that? And Pilate didn't know what to do with him, so he sent him on up the chain of command. So Jesus was born during the Roman Empire, and all Jesus talked about was the kingdom. Everybody say kingdom. All his message was the kingdom of God, bringing the kingdom of God into the earth. That's what Jesus preached. And Rome, this is so important that we grab this. Rome was the only empire that when they conquered you, they didn't go and get you and bring you to Rome. What Rome did is they would take some of their own people who had the Roman culture and they would send their people into your culture to make your culture look and function like Rome. Caesar had one meeting a year where all the governors would come together, all the rulers would come together in one place once a year, and this meeting was called ecclesia. Ecclesia is the Greek word where, where we get the word church. So what are Sundays? Sundays are when the rulers come together and we, get, we gather together to receive instruction and then we leave this place and we go out and we make the culture in which we live look and function like the kingdom of God. That we are called to be rulers. Religious people are going to struggle today. I'm just going to throw that out there. 
We're going to struggle with this because the ecclesia was the gathering of rulers. Psalms 82 says God stands in the congregation of rulers. So when you and I come together and meet, Jesus said, I'm building a church. I'm building an ecclesia, a gathering of rulers that the, that the, the gates of hell will not be able to prevail against these rulers, which means that when we gather together, church, we are not the weak. We are the strong. We are the head and not the tail. We are above only and not beneath. We are blessed coming in and we are blessed going out. This is not a gathering of a bunch of weak people. This is God is trying to produce you and make you into a ruler. See, see how quiet it is? Because some of you are like, oh, I just thought I had fire insurance. I'm not going to go to hell. That's what I thought. Jesus didn't save you just to keep you out of hell. Now, I understand we give an opportunity for people to be saved every week because that is the first step. But once you enter into the kingdom through Jesus, he wants us to conquer. He wants us to overthrow the powers of darkness, and he wants us to go into our homes, our workplaces, our schools, and start making those places look and function like his kingdom. Now, we struggle with this concept, but the Roman centurion that we just read about, he had been watching Jesus and how he ministered to people, how he ministered to his own people, and it led him to say, you know what, my servant's paralyzed, so I'm just going to go to him and ask him to heal him, and when he comes to Jesus, Jesus says, all right, I I, I understand he's paralyzed. I will come to your house, and I will heal him. Roman centurion says to Jesus, "Um, you don't have to come to my house. You, You don't even have to come. I have been watching you, how you speak, and when you speak, it seems like everything changes when you talk. Everything you speak to shifts. So you don't have to come to my house, just speak a word. Come on, touch your neighbor and say, just say it. And it blows Jesus away, and and here's what he says. The centurion says, I'm a man of authority, and I've been watching how you operate in authority. I've been watching how you speak to stuff and things change. And so when, when the Roman centurion says, I, you know, just come to my house. Don't, you don't have to come to my house. Just speak the word. You don't have to come by. Just say it, Jesus. Jesus is so blown away by it that he looks at the church people and says, you guys are around me all the time, but when you all gather together, you don't expect anything miraculous to happen. You don't expect miracles to take place. You don't expect promises to to come to fulfillment in your life. And and what Jesus is saying, I'm not just saving you so that you can escape hell. I am saving you so that you can bring the kingdom of heaven into the earth. Listen, watch this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. We understand that. But what we need to know about the earth is that when God created the earth, he wanted the earth to look and function like heaven. How many know that the earth then is not what the earth is today? God God placed Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. Eden literally means perfection. 
It was a paradise. It was a beautiful place, uh, an, an amazing place. Um, and God placed them there, and, and there's, there's a whole page and a half of notes I'm going to skip. But what I want you to know, because I don't have time to, to give you all of it. We may have to hit it next week. What I want you to know is that when God created the heavens and the earth, he wanted the earth to look and to function like heaven. When, when, when God spoke to Adam, and he said, Adam, you are the physical expression of me, all right? What I'm doing in heaven, Adam, I want you to do that in earth. When God would speak a word in heaven, how many of you all understand that all of heaven would back God's words up and whatever God said, it was. The same was true for Adam. When Adam spoke, go read your Bible, whatever Adam named it, it was. That when Adam spoke, all of heaven backed him up, and whatever he called things is what it became. The problem is, is that Adam sinned. Adam messed up. He fell short. According to Romans 3, we've all fell short, right? We've all sinned, and we fell short of the glory of God. We've all been there. And Adam at that point was cut off, spiritually speaking. We know he didn't die in that day, but he was cut off, spiritually speaking, which means that Adam at one time, he was in a world that he could govern, but after sin, he lost his ability to govern. He lost his ability to govern, he's now in a world that doesn't respond to him. And so Jesus comes along. Are y'all with me so far? All right? He's in a world that doesn't respond to him. And, and Jesus comes along. And here's what I want you to get. When God created the heaven and the earth, God wanted the earth to be a physical expression of heaven. And so Adam was crowned with, with glory and honor, all right? There was, and glory and honor means weight and authority, weight and authority, that God had crowned him with an authority, that when he spoke to things, things shifted. Now, when Ro Romans 8 tells us that the world is, is in chaos now because of sin, that we are in a world that if we're outside of Christ, that doesn't respond to us. It doesn't, it doesn't listen to us. But here's what I want you to get. you got to get this. What God did in Jesus was greater than what Satan did in Adam. And if Adam was able to speak to things, and it was whatever he said, all right, and he messed it up, do you know why Jesus came? He came and did what Adam was supposed to do. Some of us are choking. That's, that's what's wrong. Jesus came and did what Adam was supposed to do. He came and he restored the authority that Adam had forfeited in the garden. Adam at one time would speak and everything listened. But after sin, Adam spoke and nothing listened. So Jesus came, he started doing what Adam was supposed to do. He started speaking to stuff. And when you read about Jesus' life, he would speak to the wind and the wind would obey. He would speak to the waves and the waves would obey. He would speak to trees and how many know trees would start dying? That whatever he spoke to, it changed. Whatever he said, it it. it it shifted. And, and so John wrote and said that the Word became flesh in Jesus. This is John 1. And we beheld his glory. All right? Glory, weight, 
and authority. We beheld it. Glory means weight and authority. Jesus is showing us how he originally intended for us to operate. Even church people around Jesus said, what manner of man is this? That even the winds and the waves obey him. I mean, who in the world is this guy? The church folk couldn't understand that how, how he spoke to things and everything changed. But listen, one Roman centurion who didn't know God, didn't know Jesus, didn't know Moses, Abraham, didn't know the law, he didn't know any of that stuff, but he knew authority. And so when he saw Jesus speaking to stuff, he was captivated by it. He recognized the authority. I don't know Jesus. I don't know Hebrew. I don't know Moses. I don't know all of that stuff. But I do understand authority. And when this man speaks, everything changes. This man has authority. Now, the Roman centurion has been watching. Apparently, he has seen the authority in which Jesus operates in. And at first, Jesus responds to him. And he says, all right, I'll treat you like I do all the church people. All the church people, you know, they, they don't do anything for themselves. I have to go to their house. I have to lay my hands on them. I have to, you know, lay hands on them. I got to cast the devil out of their house. They won't cast it out. They won't do anything. With it. I got to do everything for them. And, and if you'll give me five minutes, I'll be at your house too. The Roman centurion said, I've been watching and you don't have to come to my house. Just speak it. Listen, he don't know God. He don't know church. He don't know any of that, but he recognizes authority. He says, you don't, you don't, I'm not that church member that you got to come and spend time with, and I'll keep coming to your church as long as you're with me. He said, you can just speak it. If you'll just say it, I believe that my servant will be healed. And he's captivated by one thing, it's authority. The problem is, is that we are living in the most authority-less generation we've ever seen. People hate authority. People don't respect authority. And the, there is an absence of authority in this generation. And the problem is, is that any time there is an absence of authority, there is also an absence of power. That power and authority go together. And, and a great example, a great example of that. You may say, Pastor, I don't like you, and I'm going to whoop your butt. You know, it's not whip, it's I whoop. I'm going to whoop your butt. And listen, you may be able to take me out. You may be able to, but here's what I will tell you. You may be able to whip me, but you're going to know you've been in a fight. All right? You're going to know you've been through something. All right? The, the, on the other end of that, you may be half my size, but if you show up and you got a badge, how many of you understand? If you got a badge, you may be half my size, but I'm going to do whatever it is you say to do. Why? Because I know you're not here on your own authority. I know that at any point you can call more authority, and eventually you'll get enough authority there to get my behind in line. Right? That, 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 that's, that's the point that I'm making here. This Roman centurion is captivated by authority, and the authority causes his faith to grow. The psalmist said, I will lift up my eyes from which comes my help. My help comes from the Lord. 
There has never been a time that you called on God that he did not help you. However, there have been times that you called on God and he was helping you and you didn't recognize he was helping you. How many know that that help that God sends don't always look like help at first? Even Jesus, God sent Jesus to help his people. But the people, even though they were looking for a Messiah, when it showed up in the form of Jesus, they didn't even recognize it. And I'm telling you, there are some blessings and there is some help that many times God is sending our way. But because it don't look like help and it don't look like a blessing, we're not able to recognize it. But I want you to know that there is never been a time that you called on God that he was not helping you. Never been a time. He is helping you. And and we get that Jesus has authority and we understand that he came to restore the authority but here's where we struggle. You have been given authority. Hebrews 2 says that it wasn't just God's plan to raise Jesus to glory, but to raise all his sons and daughters to glory. God's goal is not to give you um, fire insurance, not just to rescue you from hell. God's goal is to reestablish authority in the earth. God's goal is to make the earth look like heaven. That, that we so feel the atmosphere of earth, that, that our region should look more like heaven because we're here. All right, so that's God's goal. That God wants the culture in which we're in to look and function like the kingdom. We want salvation, we want fire insurance, but God wants people to look at you and behold his glory. Let me say it in a way that we'll really get this. God wants you to cast the devil out of your house. God wants you to speak to your child's fever and command it to go. God wants you to lay hands on the sick and then recover. God wants you to speak life where there's been death. God wants you to look and function like Jesus did. Jesus said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth, and nothing shall harm you. You know what Jesus is saying? I got you covered, baby. I got you covered. I got you covered. There's, there's never been a time that you've called on God that he wasn't helping you and covering you. And I have to understand authority if I'm ever going to walk in a place where nothing is harming me. Jesus said all authority has been given to me and nothing's going to harm you. Jesus is saying I can make sure that nothing gets to you. Doesn't mean that we don't ever go through anything. It just means it's not going to take you. How many know even everything Job went through God said, you can't kill him. You can do all that you want, but there's a line. You can only go so far because I got him covered. The Roman centurion said, just speak the word. Come on, touch two people and say, just say it. Just say it. Now we're getting ready to tie this together, and I'm going to get so excited, I'm going to kick this thing off here. All right? I'm I'm pumped up about this. I've had to slow down just so I can communicate. The Roman centurion could tell that Jesus was in the middle. And what I mean by in the middle, it's the safest place to be. How many of you always need people under you and people over you? Jesus came, and what did Jesus say? He said, I'm only here because my Father wants me here. I only say what my Father says to say. I only do what my Father says to do. And I only go where my Father tells me to go. 
Jesus was saying, I have authority, but I'm also under authority. That's the place where you will see a move of God in your life is when you're under authority, all right? And you have authority. You got to understand Jesus was in the middle. So this, the Roman centurion picked up on it, and he said, I'm a man of authority. I understand it. I understand how it works. I got servants. I got people. I said, go here, do that. I understand authority. So Jesus only did what the Father told him to do, and great things happen. The good news is, is that now we are in a place where Jesus tells us what to do, and not only does he tell us what to do, he has given us the Holy Spirit to do the work. We just spent four weeks talking about the Holy Spirit. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is the one that helps us do what Jesus has commanded us to do. Now, this next part, this is where it's going to get heavy. I told the guys in the back, it's going to seem like there's nothing on the screen for a long time because i got to preach to this part. Point number one, y'all scared now, aren't you? Point number one, you have authority over angels. You have authority over angels. They are ministers to the heirs of salvation. That's in Hebrews. They are subject to you. They are assigned to your life. They respond to God's word. They hear the word and they perform the word. And scripture says they get stronger as they do it. They excel in strength. So angels are waiting on me to speak God's word so that they will have something to respond to and something to perform in my life. The problem is, is a lot of us have angels that are extremely bored. Our angels are bored. Why? Because we've given them nothing to respond to. We've given them nothing to work with. That God has assigned them to our life, but they only respond to the word. They're not going to respond to our pity party. They're only going to respond to the word. That means that God has a trained and armed military ready to go to bat for me, but I have to give them something to work with. Why do you think God said no weapon formed against you shall prosper? Why? Because I'm speaking the word, which means what the enemy has planned for my life, it can't happen, baby. Why? God has me covered. And not only does he have me covered, he says I will even take the negative words that have been spoken against you and they will have no effect against you. Why? Because I've got you covered. So you have authority over the angels. Secondly, angels only move at the sound of the word. And this one is powerful. I have angels at my disposal, but they only move when they hear God's word come out of my mouth. They're not going to move until I speak the word. That means that they will fight the battle for me. I'm going to take it a step further. That means I can go to sleep tonight and not worry about anything because they are battling for me. That they have me covered. I can send my kids to the worst school in the county and I don't have to worry. Why? Because I have been speaking the word of God over my kids and the enemy can't touch them. They may show up at school and the enemy say, I got a plan for your life, but you know what's going to happen? That devil's going to run into an armed military angel who says, devil, back up. Mommy and daddy already spoke the word over this child and you can't touch this child. Angels are assigned to your life. 
They are a hedge of protection. So it doesn't matter if we have the best environments or not. If we are communicating the word of God, then I have angels responding, hearing, and performing the words that are coming out of my mouth. Come on, everybody say, just say it. Some of you are like, yep, my angels are bored. I haven't given them anything to do. And, and let me just stop here. Angels are bad dudes. I know you think fat baby with wings, but that's, that is not it. It's not it. Scripture says that one angel showed up at the tomb of Jesus and the Roman soldiers fell as dead. One angel showed up and the soldiers fell as dead. So angels are bad dudes that are ready to go to war. All right? You have authority over the angels. They respond to the word. Last point I'm going to set up with this, this text. Matthew 13, starting in verse 24. It says, Another parable put he forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man which sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, the enemy came, sowed tares among the wheat, and went his way. But when the blade was sprung up and brought forth fruit, then appeared the tares also. So the servants of the householder came and said unto him, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in the field? From whence then has it tares? And he said to them, The enemy has done this. And the servants said unto him, Will thou then that we go and gather them up? But he said, Nay, lest while we gather up tares, you also root up the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And in the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers. Everybody say reapers. All right, now we're going to drop down to verse 37, Matthew 13, 37. He answered and said unto them, He that sows good seed is the Son of Man. The field is the world. The good seed are the children of the kingdom. Did you know you are good seed? You are good seed, all right? And you are God's seed scattered in the earth. But it says, but the tares are the children of the wicked one. The enemy that sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the world. And the reapers are the angels. That leads me to point three. The, the reapers are the angels. How many of you have ever thought, I have sowed a lot of good seed I have prayed a lot of prayers. I have believed for great things, but I feel like I don't have my harvest yet. Just me? Anybody at all? Like, I feel like I haven't received my harvest yet. The reapers are the angels. You are never told to reap your own harvest. God tells you and I to sow the seed to speak the word, to believe, to sow. But we're not called to reap the harvest. We're called to sow. The Roman centurion is saying, I see how this works. I understand that when you speak, things happen. We don't understand many times the dynamics of the spiritual realm. In the spiritual realm, you need to know that we'll hit this next week. There are three heavens. All right, three heavens, the, the place where God lives. We're going to hit it next week. The second heaven is, is the air, all right? That's the battle. That's where the angels do battle. And then the heaven in which we live, all right? That's the three heavens. But there is a war over your life. 
There is a war over your faith. There is a war over your kids. And that is not happening on ground level. And that's not happening where God exists. That is happening in the second heaven. There is a, there is a war over your life, over your faith, over the promises of God that is taking place in the second heaven. But when you speak the word, you are releasing angels on your behalf. You remember Daniel. He prayed for 21 days and the angel finally got there through the battle and said, Daniel, I heard you on day one, but I have been fighting to bring you the message. I heard you release me. I heard the word and I responded and I've been working to bring the answer. I've been working to perform the word. On the other end, how many of you understand? Everybody with me, are you choking? You good? Angels respond to the word. Demons are fallen angels. So every time I speak, I'm either giving the angels that have been assigned to my life something to work with or perform, or I'm giving the devil something to work with. Demons also will respond to, the, to my negativity. And some of us were frustrated and we're living without because we, the only words we ever speak are negative. And we wonder why our life's so messed up. Your words will always frame your world. Jesus said every idle word, you'll be judged by it. That every word, why? Every time I speak, every time I speak, I'm either giving the angels something to do warfare with or I'm giving demons something to do against me. You know why it's so quiet? Because you're thinking about all the things you've been saying. You've been thinking about all the negative things that you've been saying over your own life. Angels get their command from our words. Are you giving the angels that have been assigned to your life something to work with? Or have you been giving the demons something to work with? Worship team, y'all got to hurry. All right, come on. Angels are the reapers of what your seed produces. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. When, when, who then is Paul? Who is Apollos, but ministers by whom ye believed, even as the Lord gave to every man? I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. My help comes from God. How? Angels are the reapers. I know this is heavy. I had somebody stop by my office after the 830 service, and they said, Pastor, that was so good, but I think people were choking on that word because many of us think it's just fire insurance. We're just waiting until Jesus comes back. But you have authority. You have authority. God has given you authority to make your home look and function like heaven. To make your workplace look and function like heaven. But you have to speak the word. My help comes from the Lord. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying God's got you covered. He's got you covered. The Roman centurion, I believe if he could come back and speak to us this morning, if he was the one giving the altar call, he'd say, guys, I didn't know Jesus. I didn't know church. I didn't know God. I didn't know Abraham. I didn't know any of those people. But here's what I would tell you. Just say it. Just speak it. Give God something to work with. I don't know about you, but I'm ready to cast the devil out of every place, 
Come on, I'm ready to speak the word of God. Come on, you've been speaking doubt and unbelief. How's that working for you? I think it's time that we speak the word of God. Would you stand to your feet all over this place? We're going to do two things. As you, and, and I hope you got something out. I feel like I've just been running around. Because normally, those that are new, normally I'm not this crazy, all right? But I'm so pumped up about you speaking the word in your own life. I'm pumped up about this. Would you just bow your heads for just a moment? Close your eyes, no one looking around. I want to speak to those that are in this place and would say, Pastor, I don't know Jesus as my personal Savior. I need to be saved. I need my sins forgiven. I want to ask Jesus into my heart. I don't want to leave the same way that I came. Or maybe you're watching online and that's your prayer today. If that's you, I'm not going to embarrass anyone. But if that's you, would you just throw your hand up and say, that's me, Pastor. I want to know Jesus. I need my sins forgiven. I want to know him as my Lord and Savior. If that is you, would you just throw your hand up right there where you are? Anyone at all, you say, that's me. One over here, God bless you. Anyone else, say, that's me. I want to know Jesus. Another one over here, God bless you. Thank you for your honesty. God bless you. Anyone else before we pray? Anyone at all? Bethesda, let's pray with these hands that have gone up. Everybody say it out loud. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I'm a sinner. I've committed sins, and I need a Savior. Jesus, I ask you to forgive me, to come into my heart, to be my Lord and my Savior. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, church. Celebrate those people right now. Uh, You can do better than that. Let's give God a praise for them. Now, what we're going to do, we're not going to be like the church folk, Jesus minister. And there's nothing wrong. We lay hands on people. We pray for people all the time. But today, I felt, and I didn't feel this until I started preaching at 830. I really felt inspired by the Holy Spirit. Don't don't have the prayer team and staff come up and, and pray for people. Today, encourage them that during our final worship song, that they speak the word over their own life. That you speak the word over what's going on in your life. How I many? There's power in that. So I want to give you an opportunity today to speak the word over your family, your finances, your health as we do this last worship song. And we got, we got a moment built in that I think will build your faith. But before we sing this, can we give God the best praise we have all day? Come on, praise him like your breakthroughs already happened. Come on, give him a shout in the house. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Bethesda Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and our website, BethesdaChurch.tv. Thank you for joining us and have a great day.